been in a series uh, on healing that's been continuing really since the first of the year. I'm looking to get that done before too long. And uh, we've had quite a number of those, but we'll start, we'll have the last few starting next week. And here's the thing about that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word preached. Right? That's the context of Romans uh, chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word preached. A lot of people don't have healing going on because it's not preached about. A lot of people don't have protection because it's not preached about. Uh, a lot of people do have salvation in Christ because that's preached. Right? What you preach is what you're going to get. So that's why we're a full gospel church because we preach all the promises. Because I think I read a scripture that said every promise in God is yes and amen. So we preach all of those things. And when we see it, then we see healing. We see deliverance. We see restoration and protection. We see provision in people's lives. You know, last year the Lord told us to preach on provision. And uh, since that period of time, in, a, in one year's period of time, we saw salaries in this group increase over $150,000 and uh, we saw debt supernaturally erased over $900,000 in the lives of people. That changes things. You're talking about life changing stuff but and it came because we preached on the scriptures and the promises where God wants you to be in abundance and why does he want you to be there? He wants you to be there because in 2 Corinthians 9 it says I want you to be in abundance for every good work. In other words, there's good works you can't move into unless you move into abundance. He wants you to be in abundance. Well, as we preached on that, guess what happened? It manifested because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we preach the promises, we see the promises. The word shows us clearly that God works with his word. And so he will work with his word with signs following, right? And um, so anyway, uh, we'll be going into uh, healing some more uh, next week. But here's the other thing. What if you, we all are in 100% health? I'm not going to ask who needs healing in their body in some way. Because it's probably the majority of us. But what if we were 100% healthy? Do we still need to hear a healing message? Absolutely. Why? Because he said these signs will follow those that believe. Not these signs will follow pastors. Not these signs will follow prophets. No, these signs will follow the, them that believe in my name. Right? They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In other words, these signs are supposed to follow them that believe. If they are a believer of Christ, these signs should be following them. They should lay hands on the sick and they should be healed. They should recover. So in other words, but if you don't hear preaching on healing, are you going to have those signs following? Probably not. Probably not. So even if you're in perfect health, you want to raise your level. Remember the word says study to show yourself approved and to go after uh, the word, to go after the promises of God. And we don't want just a few things that, that uh, Jesus has paid for. We want everything that he's paid for. You know? Imagine this. Imagine if uh, I came and it was Christmas time and uh, I, I paid for like six different presents and I brought them uh, to you. And I brought you six different presents. And then you said, oh, and you unwrapped uh, the big one, right? And then you went, oh, this is so great. You know, well, my, my wife wouldn't unwrap the big one. She would go for the small ones first. Amen. Women understand that, I think. Amen. Yeah. amen. Ladies, can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. There you go. So, but anyway, what if you unwrap the big one and then you took the rest of them and you set them over in the corner? It's like, wait a minute. I, I, I paid for those too. I want you to enjoy those as well. I, I spent money for you to enjoy all of them, not just the big package. All of it. Well, Jesus spent his life and blood and he paid for stripes for us to be healed as much as we are saved. Yeah. It's, it's what he paid for. Yeah. 
And so when Jesus paid for something and it cost him, I don't want to be missing out on any of it. I consider it a slap in the face to not receive everything that he paid for. In other words, I'm saying, yeah, I know you paid for it, but to me it's not worth it if I don't receive it. That's rude. We don't want to be rude. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be rude. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, you either. You either. Amen. <laughs> don't be rude. If he paid for it, let's esteem him enough to receive those things. Why do you need to walk in them? Because the word says, freely you have received, freely give. He wants you to be a receiver of his things, all of them, in abundance yep. so that then you can be a giver of those things. Yeah. Would you be able, just take healing for instance, are you able to pass out healing to people if you haven't actually received the revelation yourself? No. You can't do it. You can't do it. Would you, would you be able to pay for a missions trip? If you didn't have the money for the missions trip? No. If you wanted to give, how many people would just like to say, hey, I just want to pay, pay for you to go win uh, those 500 commitments to Jesus. Anybody would like to do that? But are you going to be able to if you don't have it in the bank account? It's just simple math. It's the same thing with the gifts of God, unless you've received that. See, even in finances, you can say, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to believe that you'll bring in extra for me so that I can advance the gospel. I'm just going to believe that you will show me your healing in the word and I will receive it so I can then dish it out. I'm going to believe that you will show me revelation on restoration, which is a part of your salvation, so that I can help other people be restored. So we've got to receive these things personally before we give them out. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So if you'll look, uh, you can turn into uh, 1 Peter. Today we're talking about God wants you to have power. God wants you to have power. God wants you to have power. Amen. Not just Pastor Brian. He wants you to have power. I don't care who it is who's hearing this. Even if you don't know Jesus, he wants you to have power. And how does that power come? Well, it comes through Jesus. So you, in order to get into that power, you have to accept Jesus. But he desires that you walk in the power of God through your relationship through Jesus Christ. He desires that you walk in this power, that you bring something, that you're a carrier of the glory of heaven into this earth. Remember, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? He says in Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for your light has come. There's something personal about that. Then he even goes on to say, kings will come to the glory of your rising. In other words, as you rise up in the revelation of God's things and you receive all that God has to you, he will draw people to you, not for your glory necessarily, but you're not excluded out of it too. You're in partnership with God. But he knows that if your heart is right, if people will come to you, they'll come to you and then you'll point them to the Father. Amen. That you'll pass that glory straight on. Even if they go, oh, wow, you're so awesome. You know, like Reagan this morning, that was awesome. You know, and you can go up to her and, and tell her that. You should. Amen, that was so good. We enjoyed that. Glory to God. But if we're doing it right, and Tim was okay too. <laughs> I was listening to you. You were at throwing those little notes here and there on there. I was like, ooh, listen, to that. that's experience. That's some good stuff. I liked it. It was that little extra. And I'm not a music guy, but I picked up a little bit of that. I was like, that was so awesome. It's awesome to be around people with experience and anointed by God. So let's say that you went to uh, Reagan today and said, that was so awesome. Well, if she's doing it right, then what's going to happen is she'll receive that glory, but she'll receive it on behalf of the Father, and, and then she'll pass it straight to Him. Hey, if I did anything good, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. If I did it good, it came from Him. God is so good. And she can pass that to Him. 
The, the best musicians, the best pastors are the ones that are able to bring the gifts of God. But in the end, people are looking more at Jesus than they are at them. That, you know, I, I'm, I was really thinking about that this morning. If I can sit and come to the end of this service and you're thinking more on Jesus than you are on how good Brian is, then I've done a good job, Amen. right? Then that's what I want. I want you looking more at him and more at the Father than you are looking at me, right? We want to take that glory. This is why God wants to move in power in your life because he wants to move in glory in your life because then all of a sudden somebody who knows who they are in Christ and knows where that came from can pass it straight to him. He wants you to move in power. You know, I, I was watching a video uh, last night, uh, Abigail had her uh, graduation uh, project, her senior project. Uh, and basically what she's doing was raising funds for a ministry for Heidi Baker. And uh, so she had a spaghetti dinner. Uh, they helped us over at Uwari. They have a nice kitchen. And we had the dinner over there. And in the video, there's a, uh, a child that couldn't, I think he was deaf mute. And couldn't hear, couldn't speak these things. He might have been able to speak, but I think he couldn't hear. And so all of a sudden, uh, the child starts to hear. And uh, because they prayed for him, they carried power. And all of a sudden, the child starts to hear. And the mom there, she's not speaking English. But you can tell something happened. Because the mom's sitting there and she's talking to the child. And all of a sudden, she goes... Like this. And you can tell on her face. Power from heaven came into that child's body. Popped those ears open. Now the child can hear in the name of Jesus. And the mom is affected. And now this uh, Heidi in the ministry is able to say, look, this is Jesus. She says, now, you know, now that whole, that whole uh, village basically is going to come to G Jesus. Because power was carried by a believer. That knew how to give glory to God. We're not supposed to be walking in this earth with empty promises. But a power that backs you up. A power that backs you up. And I'm not going to get into it this morning. But I did a Facebook video uh, the other few weeks ago. Talking about signs and wonders. Because there was a major, major doctrinal problem that was preached that said that basically says uh well I, we're not after all those signs and wonder stuff right they take one scripture out of context actually the scripture that they use actually proves how wrong they are but it's where it talks about that a, a generation and a wicked generation seeks for a sign Right? That's where Jesus said that. In other words, what Jesus was saying was not that signs and wonders won't be there. Then why in the world would he say these signs will follow them that believe? And you actually see in John uh, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it shows that Jesus says, uh, Jesus, uh, John says this, that Jesus did these and many other signs. And he did these so that, look, step one, two, three. He did these signs so that people would believe and believing it would lead them to life. So signs led to belief and belief led to life. This is the way God works in evangelism. It's to bring the power of God, produce signs that will help people to believe and then believing it will lead them to eternal life. But what he was saying to the Pharisees in that moment was, you're after the sign instead of after the person. And the reason they were after a sign was it, the wording there in the original language basically says this. They were trying to prove him wrong. They were looking for a sign. They were asking for a sign to, to prove him wrong. To tempt him, to test him, and to prove him wrong. That, their heart was off in it. And he was saying, a wicked generation, basically, it tries to test me by looking for a sign. But he wasn't saying that signs were wrong or that power was wrong. He was just saying, don't go at it from the wrong heart. Yeah. 
Don't go ahead and go watch that video because I explained it in more detail and I broke it down. But anyway, we want to be a people that signs follow because the word said that. That means that we're supposed to not walk with empty promises, but walk in the power of God. We're supposed to walk in that power. I feel like I'm speaking 90 miles an hour because I was dealing with an interpreter for the last two weeks. And so it was like, say a phrase, stop. Look at everybody while they're talking. Say a phrase, stop. Look at everybody. Now I feel like I'm talking, you know, amen. So 1 Peter 1.23 I want you to see something. If you are in God, I want you to see something about yourself here. 1 Peter 1.23 For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. So how do we receive fruit? We plant a seed. It germinates. It grows up. The tree, the bush, the whatever, the plant produces a fruit. Your life in God is a fruit, not of corruption, but of incorruption. In other words, you are the fruit of something perfect. You are the fruit of something perfect. Now, how many people, when I say that to you, you know, maybe your spirit goes, yay, but your mind goes, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm the fruit of something perfect. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think on your imperfections Instead of thinking on Jesus' perfections. That's what he's after. Because if he can get you to focus on your imperfections, he's already won the battle with you. And you will never believe, what's up, buddy? Hey. (laughs) He was waving at me. You'll never believe that you are capable of carrying power if you constantly see your imperfections. The devil constantly wants you to see your corruption instead of focusing on the incorruption of Jesus. He's constantly doing this. And as long as we entertain those thoughts, we're partnering with the devil in those thoughts. That's what you want to hear from your preacher on Sunday morning. You're partnering with the Satan. That always is a good amen or right? Glory to God. But when, when we think like that, that's exactly what we're doing. And it's good to recognize that because then, you know, when I say it that way, you're like, oh, oh, I don't want to do that. But yet, it's so subtle. When we, when we fear... And give in to fear and worry and anxiousness. We're partnering with the devil. Because God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. But of power and love and a sound mind. He says, be anxious for nothing. Take no care about anything. Don't worry about anything. These are the ways of God. But when we worry, when we fear... When we think about how bad we are, we're partnering with an accuser. Now, see, if it was right up in our face, it would be different. You know, let's say, and David, step right up here. Step right here at the front and face out. Here, Paul, stand right here. And Mr. Brandon, will you step right here? Now, let's say that this is a courtroom. All right, so those people in the know, is this the, which one's the accuser? Who's the one on on trial here? Here? All right. 
So let's say Paul's on trial. He's the one on trial. Here's the accuser. Sorry, dude. It just happened this way. I'm sorry. Hey, it's just for a second. It's, a, it's an example. All right. So he's playing the role of the accuser. And here's the judge. He needs a gavel. Don't, don't slam it too hard, okay? All right. So if it was right up in our face, right, right in the courtroom, if it was in our face, and over here the accuser says, you're wrong, you're broken, you're sinful, you're corrupted. If it was in our face then what would we do? We'd be sitting over here going, no, no, I'm not. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. Because it's in our face. But because it's subtle and in our mind, remember the word says, take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. So now over here, what happens is, you know, in front of the judge, we would say, no, no, I'm not. Even though we know, even though we might not be completely perfect, we would stand up for ourselves. At least we desire to some, right? It may bring us to a point of humility, but even if we were wrong, most human nature would try to defend itself, even if it was wrong. But now here... Here, as a Christian, you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, by the Word of God. He says in 2 Corinthians 5 that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. The scripture we just read said you are the fruit of an incorruptible seed, not corruption. But the accuser over here, he says... This is what's going on when you have thoughts in your head. Oh, you're just a jerk. You shouldn't have talked to them like that. And inside we go, yeah, I know I was. I was. You know, you sinned just like this morning before church. Oh, Mr. Holy go to church guy. And we're like, yeah. And then we walk into church and we're like, oh, I don't even know why I'm here. Because we've been listening to those thoughts because they're not right up in front of our face. We think that those thoughts, a lot of times, it's just us. And some of it is. Some of it is the corruption that's built into our flesh from our father, the devil, before we got born again. Remember, it's the spirit man that's made new. Our flesh is not new. It still carries corruption in it. And it still brings some thoughts that are wrong. But the root of those thoughts is not you. The real you is washed clean. The root of those thoughts is the accuser, the devil. And so even though it may be our flesh that's speaking, we got to understand that it's our job to bring every thought from the accuser into a judgment and cast it down. And because it's not right in front of our face, we go, oh, yeah, I am. I'm just I'm just so bad. Now, if it was up front in front of our face, we'd be like, no, shut up. But because it's not and we think it's just us. Because we're so used to listening to our flesh anyway. We just think it's us. We let those thoughts come in, sit, permeate. And before we know it, we don't feel like we're worthy of anything. And the proof of it is when I say that you are of incorruptible seed. You are of an imperishable seed. And then I say, I say that, but do you always feel like it? And everybody was like, I mean, almost everybody was like, uh. That shows the fruit of these thoughts germinating. And if we give time to them while they're in the ground of our mind, they will produce the fruit of not being worthy. When the word of God says the exact opposite. You are the fruit of an imperishable seed. You are the fruit of an incorruptible Christ. You are the fruit of the seed of Jesus, not of corruptible, but of incorruptible. That's who you are. 
And even if you don't know Jesus and you're not that person yet, that's who he wants you to be. All you have to do is receive the seed of that incorruptible inside of you and instantly you become the fruit of Almighty God, a part of his family. Amen. Thank you, guys. Turn to 1 John 20 or 2. 1 John 2. If you find 1 John 20, I'm, I'll be impressed. 1 John 2, verse 20. What if, what if I called you up here right now, any one of you, and I said, you have an anointing that is so great and out of this world. Now, some of you would praise God for it, but some of you would be like, dude, you are lying right here in church. You are telling a story. But I want you to see what the Holy Spirit said about you. 1 John 2, verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have, if you're born again, he's talking to believers, you have an anointing. And that anointing is not from some man. That anointing is from God himself. Amen. Now, do you imagine that the anointing that came from God himself is like a half measure? Is there a problem with it? No, you have the anointing of God in you. And it's not a half measure. It's a whole measure. But if I say that to you, you are anointed. How many of us feel like we're anointed? Praise God, we are not to live on this earth by what we feel. Because if we lived by what we feel, oh my goodness, we'd be in a mess. <laughs> we would be in a mess. How many of you have ever worried about something and then you go on down the road. I mean, you are just like fretting over this thing. I mean, you're sweating bullets over it. And then you go down a week or two later and it all worked out. But man, during that period of time, it was rough, right? Yep. Praise God, we don't get what we feel. Amen. See, even with you in that position where you were fretting and worrying, the mercy of God, you know, it basically overrode what you were feeling probably had somebody praying for you that you don't know about that knew how to believe on the things of God. Praise God for people that pray for us when we're stupid. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, Y'all might not have ever been there, but I've been dumb, right? I've been stupid. And there's people that prayed. I've told you the story. There's this one guy who came up to me. I didn't have much respect for this guy. Matter of fact, I saw him not too long ago and I thanked him again. He came up to me and uh, uh, somebody, a loved one, introduced him to me. And I was thinking, yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. Whatever. I know who he is. I don't have much respect for him. But then the loved one said this. They said, he's been praying for you for years. I was like, come here. <laughs> I needed it so much because I was dumb. I was so stupid. Many times, it's somebody praying in our life that gets us out of our dumb moments. When we need the mercy of God because we're worrying about stuff. But see, we're, you have an anointing inside of you that's greater than what you feel sometimes. Praise God for when you feel the anointing. But I'm telling you, some of the strongest services I've ever had, strongest services I've ever had, had been on days when I didn't feel worth a hill of beans. I mean, I just felt terrible. I didn't want to preach. I came out, ah, and I'm thinking, all I want to do is go home. <laughs> Praise, but I've learned. I, I mean, people are like, what? You think that way? Yeah, I feel the same way you do. I just learned how to put those feelings down. <laughs> I feel the same way. I have the same feelings that come up and try. I just have learned how to not listen to them and to put them down. I was like, no, nah, I'm not moved by feelings. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Amen? 
Doesn't matter what I feel, it matters what that word says. And even though I might feel like I don't have a drop of anointing in me, I know that I have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, if you will get a hold of that as well, you'll become a carrier of that power. Amen? All of a sudden, you'll realize, and matter of fact, when I, I first started praying for people to be healed, um, when I would pray over people, I would feel the anointing come on me. And, and I would, it was awesome. I was like, this is cool, you know, and I would feel it. And, and uh, it would come in different ways. Sometimes I'd feel it in my hands, like physically feel it. But then, you know, our faith is not by sight or not by feelings. Our faith is because God said it, I choose to believe it no matter what I feel. That's how faith works. And so then all of a sudden one day, and this was, the Lord was really helping me. One day I went to pray for somebody. I'm like, I feel nothing. I don't feel a thing. And then I went and I, the next time I ministered and I went to pray for people, I was like, I don't feel anything. I was like, "Mm." and at first I'm thinking, this is not good. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm called to preach for the rest of my life. I need this anointing. I need something happening when I pray for people or else I'm preaching empty and I'm not going to do that. But the issue was that that went on for two years. I didn't feel anything. Every time I prayed for somebody, I didn't feel a thing. But you know what happened during that two years? I saw more people healed than I had before. Because it's not by feelings that we move. But see, the devil tries to get you to focus on the feelings and focus on the thoughts of your corruption So that you will not think on the promise of the word of God that you are anointed. You are anointed. You are anointed. And you are the fruit of an incorruptible seed. No matter what you feel. Now, you may have had times where you did not walk in the things that you should be walking in. Anybody ever like been on cloud nine with God? You were in a service and man, God touched you and you just, oh, Jesus, you're so awesome. You are so good. You know, if you're Pentecostal, you do a little dance, you know. And then all of a sudden you get home and, and mysteriously, we don't know how this happens exactly, but all of a sudden with this great high from God, you then get the big head because it's, I don't know why we think we did it, but somehow that happens. We're on this high from the Lord. We had this big success. All of a sudden pride comes in somewhere and before you know it, we're sinning. And then we're like, oh, I'm so bad. In the Old Testament, they would rip their garments, throw dust in the air, ashes and dust, oh, you know, and snot and everything, right? They're just, I'm so horrible. And it's like, how did I go from being here to being down here? And if we'll continue to think on that corruption and not the incorruptible blood of Christ, we'll stay there for a while. But if we'll learn how to say, Lord, oh yeah, I messed up and I repent. I confess my sins. I repent. I'm not just sorry that I got caught I want to change and not ever do this again. Then he is faithful and just to forgive us. And instantly we put on the incorruption. And we're able to walk in that same anointing. We're able to walk in this same incorruptible fruit of the seed of an incorruptible Christ. And carry a power. So can you see that if we are called to go out into this world and these signs should follow them that believe, and if, can you see that we're called to bring this power and we're called to bring this anointing, and if the devil can get us in our head and in our feelings, instantly our power goes to nothing. Instantly the fruit of the promises, we stop carrying it. Can you see that this is a good picture of really what's happened in the American church? Come on. And you've got a whole world out there that's looking for some kind of power. I've said it so many times before. That's why you've got all the superhero movies right now. Because everybody's looking for something. Why? Because they were created to carry something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Right. 
bigger than what the world has told them that they are. They are carriers made in the image and likeness of God to carry the power of God. God wants them to have power. He put that in their heart from the beginning to be the children of God. The the word says that the earth groans for the manifestation of the children of God. In other words, the earth is groaning for us to grow up and be who God's created us to be. So without being said, it's already pre-written on our hearts. And even people that don't know Jesus are looking to become that. Even people that don't know Jesus, inside of their hearts is written something that they know I'm supposed to carry something bigger than what I'm carrying. And the church is supposed to have an answer for that. The church is supposed to have that answer. Because they carry an anointing. They carry a power of God. It's within them. But if the devil can get us in our thoughts and in our feelings, all of a sudden, instantly, any manifestation of that power is wiped out. So, oh, does the devil try to get you to move by your feelings. Get you to move by what you see in the mirror. Get you to move by your thoughts and worry and anxiousness and fear. Get you to move by your corruption and your sin instead of paying attention to the incorruptible seed of Christ. You have an anointing from the Holy One and it's not like a half anointing. Well, they're not going to do that much. So I'm just going to give them a half anointing. No, it's the anointing from the Holy One. It can't be half because it came from Him. It's the power of God. Now, going down to verse 27. It says, as for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you. In you. Say, who, me? me? Yes, you. Couldn't be, but it's true. Amen. (laughs) It is you. That anointing abides in you. It abides in you now. (laughs) Who, me? Couldn't be, but it's true. That anointing abides in you now. Well, how do you know that? I don't feel it. You're not to be led by feelings. I know it because God's word said it. And I trust that word because it is written by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. That word is our foundation. That word is our strength. And as I preach this word to you, something inside of you is saying, yes, that's true. Even if people are watching this and they don't like the message, something on the inside of them is going, that's true. Now their mind might be fighting it and what they've believed up to this point might be fighting it, but it's true. Why? Because God said it. Not because Brian said it. I didn't say it. I just repeated it. He said it originally. I'm just preaching it. I'm preaching what he said to you, to believers. And if you're not a believer, you can be one and carry the power of God. He says, now I want to address this since it comes up. If you'll look at this, look at the same scripture in verse 27. It says, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. Now, is this an anointing that we're waiting for when we get to heaven? No, it says you have received. Back in verse 20, it says the same thing. You have received it. This is not something you're waiting for. If you know Jesus, boom, there's an anointing. Now, you might not know how to operate in it fully, but the full anointing is in you. The full power of God is in you. It's just learning how to get it out. Learning that it's there and learning how to get it out. Uh, if, if we turn the, uh, hit those switches right there, Tim. Boom. Now, do we have power to the building? Yes. Absolutely. Now, what if you didn't know anything about electricity? Would you ever flip those switches? No. You would never flip those switches. Why? Because you don't know. Any, why, you have nothing to expect. 
But you had power to the building. You had the ability. I mean, if it was dark, if you didn't know that what power was, you didn't know what light was, you didn't know what electricity was, you never flipped those switches. And you would have no expectation. If it was dark, you'd just stumble through here trying to find your way. That's the way much of the church has been because they didn't know that on the inside of them there was something else. But see, now that you know power is there, now we've just got to learn where's the switch. How do we turn it on? Well, the first thing is knowing that there's power to it. And when we can figure out that there's power to a building and it is designed to shine God's glory in this earth, then we will start looking for the switch. The switch and the promises are in here. And you'll get better at flipping those switches. In other words, when you first come in, you might not know where the switches are. But eventually you'll learn where they are and you'll walk right in and walk straight to the switch. You won't waste time looking in the bathroom and everywhere else trying to find the switch. You know where the switch is. You know how to do it. And you'll get better and better at finding it and flipping it on. And then all of a sudden, when you need something, you come up into your co-worker's life or into your family's life or your friend's life. And there needs to be, I need some power here, Lord. You know exactly where to do. You know the promises. You found the switch in the Word. You know the promises. You know how to turn it on by faith. And all of a sudden, you'll hit the switch. And the glory of God comes in that. Amen. This is what the church needs to be doing. Yeah. It's what the church is supposed to be up to. But they got to know that it's there. The power was there the whole time. It's just nobody turned it on. Not the pastor's job to turn it on. These signs shall follow them that believe. believe that believe. Let's look at this uh, and uh, the rest of this first because it's in there, verse 27. So you have received the anointing from him who abides in you. And then I want to address this, the rest of the verse. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Uh, uh, some people have taken this and they're like, I don't even need a pastor. I don't need this. The, what they're doing is they're not taking the whole word in context. If, if you didn't need anybody to teach you physically, right, then God would have never ordained and anointed teachers and the office of a teacher, right? right? He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have, there's multiple things all over the word where he would not have done that. What he's saying is that when you have somebody who lets the anointing of God flow through them, you're not just receiving from a man, you're receiving from God in them, right? And we need that. Matter of fact, the word in Galatians 3, 8 says, the gospel was preached beforehand by God to Abraham saying, through you will all the nations be blessed. In other words, the ways of God are holy and his ways is to bring the blessing through people. That's how he does it. But you don't want to just receive from anybody. You want somebody who's flowing in the anointing of God. The revelation of the Holy Spirit to help teach you and help unravel and bring that stuff. And so some people have taken that out of context like I don't need to listen to you or anybody else. The Holy Spirit can teach me everything. Well, you're missing the whole point of that scripture. And you're missing the rest of the counsel of the word of God as well. And because it was in there and in that scripture, I wanted to address that. We can talk about it more later. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 16. This is Paul praying over the church at Ephesus. And this is the Holy Spirit praying through Paul. Because we know all scripture is inspired by God. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring each one of these scriptures. So in effect, you have a Holy Spirit inspired prayer. I mean, that's a strong prayer. And I want you to see what Paul prays by the Holy Ghost. Now he's praying to the church at Ephesus and he says this, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation in what? The knowledge of him. Not just knowledge, not just facts, 
but the truth, right? And the facts and truth are different. You can have a fact, but a truth will supersede it. A fact may be the doctor's report that says you're going to die, but the truth always brings freedom. You will continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth always brings freedom, right? If it doesn't bring freedom, it's not truth, all right? So truth can supersede facts, right? When you understand that, it helps you understand a lot of how the word talks and what it says and how it's supposed to work. See, what I'm giving you right there is operation. In other words, it's learning how to flip the switch. It's learning how to do these things. So he's saying, I want you to grow in your knowledge, not just in trivia, not just in facts. I want you to grow in knowledge of him. I want you to grow in the truth. And I pray, Paul's saying, I pray for you that you will receive the spirit of wisdom the spirit of revelation so that knowledge of him will supernaturally come to you. And you will grow in your knowledge of him. All right, now keep reading. It says, so the context is knowledge of God. Then he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. In other words, he's saying, I pray that your whole being, the core of who you are, the heart of who you are, the core gets enlightened. That the light shines and you see things clear. I call it a eureka moment. You ever had those moments where you're going along, going along, and then all of a sudden it's like, ding. Like I had one of those uh, not too long ago. And uh, you're welcome to laugh at this. But all of a sudden, this is like a year ago, okay? This shows you how bright I am. And about a year ago, I'm eating a piece of bread. And I'm like, I'm looking at the crust and I'm looking at the inside. And all of a sudden, I realize, as much as my mom told me that I should eat the crust because it had all the good stuff in it, that crust has the same stuff that was in the inside. (laughs) All the ingredients were the same. That's hilarious. It was my eureka moment. I was really irritated at my mom for a while. I had to forgive her. All that. You got to eat the crust. I was like, no, I didn't have to eat the crust. I could have ate the part that wasn't burnt. I didn't like the crust. I like the inside. It's the same stuff. Same ingredients. Eureka moment. Paul's praying that we'll have Eureka moment. Maybe not on bread, but maybe on this bread. Living, living word, living bread. Amen. Amen. I'm glad y'all enjoyed that at my expense. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. In other words, he's called you to something. And he's saying, I pray that you will wake up and light will flood into your life. That you will start to see because hope, the word hope means joy. It means confidence and expectation. Hope in the Bible is a joyful, confident expectation. In other words, you're not in hope if you're not in joy. You're not in hope if you're not confident. And you're not in hope if you're not in expectation of something. So we've changed that word in our language where now it's like, well, I hope it goes well for you. And what you're saying is, luck. Maybe it'll fall your way. Maybe it won't. If luck has it the way I want it, it'll fall your way. And that's how we use hope. But in the Bible, that's not the way hope is used. Hope is a joy. Ah, I know this is going to happen. I'm confident it'll happen. And I have great expectation it's going to happen. So what Paul is saying is, I pray That the hope, the joy and confidence and expectation of what you are called to will start to be revealed to you. It will start to be revealed. That's huge. That's a huge statement that we just pass over because we've minimized some of these words. So he's saying, I pray that you will see what God has called you to. Because it is big. It is joyful. When you realize what you are called to, joy will take over you. And then confidence will come. And then you will have this great expectation that big things are going to happen for the Lord. Because you're special. You are special and precious in God's eyes. He's given you a part of him. He's given you his anointing. 
The anointing of the Holy One. You have a big calling in your life. He's saying, I pray that you will see that. He says, I keep praying for this for you. And then he says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? David, will you come here? So what he's saying is, I've already taken an inheritance. You're going to be glad I kept that. Um, I've already taken the inheritance of God. And inside of you, whether you realize it or not, I have poured it in and it's in you. It's in you. You already have an inheritance inside of you. And I'm, I'm praying that you will come to the realization of what's in you. Amen. It's already the inheritance is already there. And I'm praying that you will see the riches of the glory of what's already in you. This is what Paul's praying to the whole church. Then he says this in verse 19. And what is the, not just greatness... What is the greatness of his power? No, the surpassing greatness of his power. To who? To, to us, towards us who believe. I pray that your eyes will be open as to what you already have in you, what you're called to, and the greatness, the surpassing greatness of his power that's toward us. And then he, then he prays this. And he kind of asked this question in context. What level is this power on? What level of power are we talking about? What level of power are we talking about is in you right now? What level of that power? He says these, all these inheritances, all these things that you already have, here's what level they're on. They are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Not the strength of your might, the strength of his might. And now you start to see where when the devil talks about how you're so bad and you don't feel like doing anything, he's lying. Because this is not according to what I did. It's according to what Jesus did. Now, I can have an effect on it. If I keep on walking in sin, I'm going to have no faith. doesn't matter what's inside of me. I won't be able to flip that switch because my conscience is going to hold my faith from working. So even though I got stuff inside of me, I won't be able to flip the switch. So I can't just keep walking in sin. But if I learn to confess quickly change and turn and I learn how to operate in what's already inside of me, I can release a power not based on who I am and what I've done, but based on who he is and what he's done. Amen. He said, this is the power, this is the power that's given to us through his strength, through his might, through the strength of God Almighty's might. Verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So he said, this power is not just for the time that is to come. It's also for in this age, for right now. And Paul is praying that the church will see what they have on the inside of them, what they're called to do, and that they will become the kind of people that will start to release that thing in the world. And Jesus said it like this, and these signs will follow them that believe. Because the power that's inside of you as a believer is not just some worldly power. It is the power of his might, the strength of his might. And it's on this level, the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. 
This is resurrection power. That's exactly what that says. It is the resurrection power of God that's on the inside of you. And this is a semi-healing message because if you go over into Romans chapter 8, and I think it's verse 11, it says that when you realize that the Holy Spirit's inside of you, he said the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, will quicken your mortal body and bring it to life. So see, when I say that there's power in you, I'm not just giving you power to release when you're evangelizing. I'm also telling you that there's a power in you that will start drawing your whole body to health. It will draw it to life eternal. It will draw your mortal body to the place it needs to be. This is why God says verses like this, your youth will be renewed like the eagles. Your youth will be renewed. You should be getting stronger, not weaker. Moses at 120 climbed a mountain and looked and his eyes were not dim. He didn't even have Jesus. We have Jesus. We are a whole new creation. We are made in the image of God. And you are anointed. You have power. And God wants you to have that power. And he wants you to walk in it. Because there's a world out here that needs it. So will you receive it and walk in it? So all of this power, it starts at one place. It starts with intimacy with Jesus. That's where it starts. A relationship with him. And even if you've known Christ for most of your life, that doesn't mean that you're hanging out with them on the level that you need to be. It doesn't mean that you're walking with him the way you should. Many times the power in our life is not working because we might go to church and we check the box of going to church. But we really haven't been spending time with Jesus. We haven't been spending time with him. And we need to spend time with him. We need that relationship to be right. Many times we've been doing stuff and we haven't been repenting. We've just been going through it and, you know, believing more on God's mercy uh, than his grace for, to empower us to change it. And so no matter now, right now, no matter where you're at in that, if your relationship needs to raise up a notch... I mean, you could have raised it up this morning, but you're not feeling it right now. And you need to raise your relationship up a notch. I just ask that everybody bow your head for a second. Because this power flipping the switch comes out of relationship. It flows out of connection with the power source, Jesus Christ. So right now, if you need to take your relationship up a notch and say, just Lord, I commit to you. To live the life I need to live. You are my Lord. You're the Savior of my life. I commit. I need to raise it up a notch. I just ask you to raise your hand right now and say, I need to raise that up. Just hold it up so I can see them. I need to change some things. Keep them up. Keep them up. I need to take this level to another place. I need to release this power. I, this can be what you're raising your hand to is, you're talking about power that I've not been walking in, but I know on the inside, God wants me to walk in it. I know he wants me to. So I want to raise my intimacy with you so that I can walk in what you've called me to, the hope of my calling, the good news. If that's you, just raise your hand and keep it up. Just keep it up so I can see everybody right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now let's all just pray this right now. Just say, Father, right now, I thank you for Jesus. For connecting me to you. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots. And I'll follow your lead. I'm not following my lead. I'm following your lead from this day forward. 
I believe that you took my mess on you and my sin took you to the cross and the grave. And I believe that in that grave, God brought you back to life with resurrection power. And when He raised you up, Jesus, He raised me up with that same resurrection power. And now according to Your Word, I'm not just in this earth, but I'm seated with you in heavenly places. In Christ. And I'm anointed by the Holy Ghost. And I'm designed to carry power. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and power to be your witness. Lord, I ask that you will show me what to do and strengthen me to do it for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your head bowed. Now, if you raised your hand before, it doesn't make a difference right now. If when you prayed that, you say, you know what? I needed to pray that today. I feel different. Will you raise your hand? If you raised it before, you feel it now. Even if you didn't raise it before, I needed to pray that. I needed to go to another level. I just want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand so I can see it? Keep your heads bowed. Anybody? I needed to pray that. Keep it up so I can just look. Keep it up. I needed to pray that this morning. Anybody else? Amen. Father, I just pray right now for everybody that lifted their hand. I just ask that they would be strengthened with all might, Lord. Thank you for new levels in you. Thank you, Lord, for changing things and bringing that power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I just praise you. Thank you, Lord.